Amen. Thank you, choir. God is a good, good father. Well, let me get my notes straight here. You know, images of men in the media are not too flattering. Read in one article this week, it's not hard to find if you watch TV. You've witnessed the portrayal of the modern-day husband and father as lazy, incompetent, and stupid. One author of the New York Times wrote, One evening after watching Homer Simpson wreck the family car at a monster truck rally and plunge on a skateboard into the Springfield Gorge, his six-year-old son said, Dad, why are dads on TV so dumb? You know, dads, we spend twice as much time with our kids as we did two decades ago, but on television, we're still portrayed as oblivious, troubled, deranged, and generally incompetent. And even if dad has a good job, like Tim the Toolman Taylor on Home Improvement, he's forever making messes at home that mom has to clean up. So the doofus dad stereotype has been around a long time, maybe even with Fred Flintstone. Dagwood Bumstead. And these old and new portrayals of dads have slowly created a new norm opposed to what being a dad used to mean. What happened to shows that portray dads like Leave it to Beaver? Or shows more recently in my generation, The Cosby Show, Family Ties, Growing Pains, Full House, that showed dads as a caring person but no this generation seems to feed on married with children and the simpsons commercials have also created their own standard for men another author of another magazine said ad after ad makes doltish dad the butt of all jokes he's outwitted by his children he's the target of condescending eye rolls from his wife he's dumb incompetent and a selfish oaf. That's what society portrays us as, dads. For one, I'm not impressed. It's created a lot of role confusion in the home. It's any wonder that we have so much gender confusion. But dads, You still matter. You always have mattered. And you always will matter. So I want to share with you this morning some ways that you still matter. Whether you have kids at home or whether you have kids that are out of the home. Dads, you still matter. First of all, you matter as a giver of good gifts. How many of you got a Father's Day gift already today? All right. Good. You know, Brian got one. So, Brian, come on up here. I told him he was going to be my first sermon illustration. So, Brian, I don't know. Is that shirt and tie a Father's Day gift, too? All right. Shirt, tie, Father's Day gift. Now, pull up your britches pants, and let's see your other Father's Day gift. Look at there. Thank you, Brian. 
<laughs> Dads, we're the recipient of a lot of cool gifts. And some that make us look cool and maybe some that don't. I'll let your opinion be what it will. <laughs> but you know, our kids honor us with their gifts. But dads, part of our honor to our kids is we're still, we still matter as a giver of good gifts. And the Bible says in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you if his son asks for bread will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. You see, it's assumed in Scripture that by Jesus that dads know how to give good gifts to their kids. And you still matter because you're still a giver of good gifts. By the way, kids and wives, you want to know what gift your dad wants more than anything? And I'll give you a hint. Aretha Franklin. How many of you dads would say what Aretha Franklin sang about an R-E-S-P-E-C-T is what you would rather have than anything else? You look around. That's what dads want more than anything is respect. God... Has a, is the giver of every good gift. And we as dads, we give good gifts to our children. Our children still need us. It doesn't matter if they're 4 or 40. We can still be a giver of good gifts. What is it that we can give them? First of all, give them you. You. That's what they need. Time. They need time with you. That's the best gift that you can give them. That's what God gave us was Himself. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. All we are sinners. And the Bible says that uh, Jesus Christ came into the world for sinners. God gave us the greatest gift when He gave Himself. The greatest gift, dads, you can still give is yourself. And by the way, that's how kids spell love. Is T-I-M-E, time. The Bible says that Psalm 103 and 13, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Another gift you can give your children is love and compassion. The Bible, again, assumes. Just like Jesus assumes. Fathers know how to give good gifts. The Bible here in this passage says, As a father has compassion on his children. The Bible assumes that you dads and we dads love our children, are going to shower them with love and compassion. The Bible says in 1 John 3, 1, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. The love that the Father has poured out upon us. And as we pour out our love upon our children, you know what we're doing? And as we give these good gifts to our children, the, the gift of time, of ourselves, the, the gift of love and compassion, we're pointing them to the giver of good gifts. He says here in Matthew 7, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more 
Will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? It's true that our kids have a way of looking at God like they look at us dads. And we have a picture of God as we have a picture of our Father, whether for good or for bad. But I'm here to tell you that all dads fall short of the picture of the Father, God. All of us do. There's none good, no, not one. He is the good, good Father. So whether your dad was a great dad or whether your dad, dad was a deadbeat dad, it doesn't matter. God is a good, good Father, and we still matter as dads, and all the things that we can do can point our children, whether they're 4 or 40, to the good, good Father. As we give good gifts, how much more will our Father give us? He's the Father of much more. By the way, He can afford much more too. You may not be able to afford the things that your kids need sometimes, let alone want. But the good, good Father can. He's the God of much more. And you can teach them how to look to Him instead of just to you. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father. God is the giver of every good and perfect gift. He's the one that gave His only begotten Son. And if there's anyone here today, man, woman, boy, or girl, that's never met Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, He's the one that stepped out of heaven to come to earth. He's the one the Father gave, the gift of Himself, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. See, Dad, you still matter. You're still a giver of good gifts. doesn't matter what kind of gifts you get for Father's Day. You give daily these things to your family. You still matter, Dad, as a strong arm of protection. You know, in Psalm 44, the Bible tells us, actually, there are several passages in Psalms I want to read you. Psalm 44, in verse 3, the Bible says, For they did not gain possession of the land by their own sword. Speaking of Israel, did not gain possession of the promised land by their own sword, nor did their own arm save them, but it was your right hand, your arm, and the light of your countenance because you favored them. Chapter 77 and verse 15. The Bible says, You have with your arm, speaking of God, redeemed your people. Psalm 89 and verse 10. The Bible says, You have broken Rahab in pieces as one who is slain. You have scattered your enemies with your mighty arm. In chapter 98, verse 1, O sing to the Lord a new song, for He has done marvelous things. He, His right hand and His holy arm have gained Him the victory. God is our Father, is our protector, and He has ordained you as dads to be that right arm of protection for your family. You know, dads, you are the first line of defense for your family. Look at this picture on the screen. Have you all seen that picture already? That's um, at a Braves-Pirates spring game back in March. And that's Sean Cunningham's arm. That's the dad who's saving his son Landon from a flying bat. I mean, look, if it weren't for his dad's arm, that kid wouldn't have an eye or two or a nose. And if you've ever seen an air, a bat come flying out of a baseball player's hand, those things aren't coming very slowly. They caught this uh, in freeze frame. So that bat's spinning and flying in fast motion, and, and the father instinctively reaches out his arm, and he saves his son from 
that errant bed. This is a picture of what we as dads are for our families. We are that right arm of protection for our kids. It's a picture of what God is to us. Now notice, you don't know the backstory of this picture, that, that this is Landon's birthday gift. And this father is showing compassion to his son by spending time with his son at the baseball field. And this father is showing love to his son by just instinctively reaching out his hand to protect his son. One pastor said this of this picture, If an earthly father's instinct in protecting his child enables that father in a split second to ward off a projectile coming at his son to do him harm, and if we serve the God and Father of the so much more, then how much more will our Heavenly Father give us good things like protection? You see, dads, when our kids are younger, we can protect them from harm. We try to keep them out of harm's way. But you know, as they grow older, and as they leave the nest, as they drive down that driveway with their driver's license for the first time by themselves, you realize that you can't always be there. And that your right arm of protection can only go so far. And if you're not there yet, it's coming. And it's not a great feeling to realize that you, your arm is not long enough to protect them from everything. That's why God asked, I think it was Jeremiah, is the arm of the Lord shortened that it cannot save? You see, your arm, dads, may be short. But, it's, but God's isn't. You, you protect them from harm when they're little, but when they are out on their own, you still, have, you're still, you still matter as a strong arm of protection. How do you do that? How do you think you do it? When you watch your teenager for the first time drive down that driveway, out onto that highway for the, with his license for the first time, you'll learn how you do that. How do you do it? You pray. Your prayer life just got really more serious. You pray. You protect them. You, you, you're asking God to protect them from harm, but you're also asking God to protect them from evil because you realize that while they're at home, you can monitor what they watch. You can monitor what they listen to. You can monitor what they read, but when they get out on their own, you can't, your arm is too short. You can't monitor and control the things that they watch and listen to and look at or read. You can't, you can't monitor who they listen to as far as uh, who influences them. So you have, your prayer life goes up a whole lot more. Dads, you still matter in those kids' lives because they're depending upon you to pray for them, to pray that hedge of protection around them, to protect them from evil because the evil influences are out there. Job is an example of this. Most of the time you hear about Job, you hear about the suffering that Job went through, but I want you to notice that the chapter opens with Job as a good, good father, but we overlook that part of it. The Bible said there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and this man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and shunned evil. He was a good daddy. He had seven sons and three daughters. His possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household. And that, would, uh, that just goes to show you that that's how they measured wealth in those days, how many animals you had. He was a rich guy. 
And his sons would go and feast in their houses, each on his appointed day, and would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. They got along pretty good, these brothers and sisters, enjoying each other's company. So it was when the days of feasting had run their course that Job would send and sanctify them. And he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did regularly. You know what Job was doing for his children? He was praying over them. He was sanctifying them. That's, what, that's why we dads still matter. It doesn't matter if your kids are 4, 40, or 70. Of course, if your kids are 70, you're probably not here today. But you still matter. Praying for them. And when you do, you're pointing them to the arm of protection. Jesus said the devil, the thief, comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But he said, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. You see, the devil is out for your kids, dads. He's out for your kids. And you are their number one line of defense. You're the first one that the devil has to take down to get to your kids. That's what Jesus said. He said, if you want to spoil a strong man's house, you've got to bind the strong man. You're the strong man. And if he gets, he's got, to get to your kids, he's got to get through you. And sadly, many men are just going, stepping to the side. They're relinquishing their roles. Dads, you still matter. You still matter as the right arm of protection to protect them from the hurling darts of the wicked one that aims right for their very souls, their minds, their hearts. You still matter. And dads, you still matter as a major influence in the lives of your children. I want you to watch this video. Gillette put it out. I don't know what you think about Gillette, but it's a great video. Give your attention to the screen. Thank <laughs> you. 
See, dads, you're still the major influencer of your children, even if they're grown. This influence begins with instruction in the home. The Bible tells children in Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 8, My son, hear the instruction of your father. It says in chapter 4, verse 1, Hear, my children, the instruction of a father. And in chapter 13, verse 1, a wise son heeds his father's instruction. And Ephesians 6, 4 tells fathers to bring up their children and to not provoke them to wrath, but bring them up, train them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So it begins with instruction in the home, but again, they leave home. Then, even as they grow up and become teenagers, your instruction becomes an example. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 17. The Bible says, Paul wrote, Brethren, join in following my example and note those who walk as you have us for a pattern. Fathers, you teach, you show what you teach. You are their example. They're looking to you. And see, it's not so much what you say, you've heard many a times, it is as it is what you do. They're going to mimic what you do, not just what you say. Then the kids grow up, they leave home. But you know, to this day, I've probably, I see, I, the last time I lived at home was when I was in school. But to this day, my dad still has a major influence in my life. The things that he taught me, the things that he said, the, the life that he lived still influences my decision-making today, my thought processes today. Some for good, maybe some for not so good, but, but he's still one of the major influences in my life, and I'm fixing to be 52 years old. My dad still matters to me. So dads, it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter if your nest is empty or, it's, or if it's full. You still matter as the major influencer in your children's lives. And what you do is you're pointing them to the major influence in their lives. You want them to look to God. Colossians 3 17 and 23, the Bible tells us, Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. Dads, our influence is to influence them to, to follow God the rest of their life. Dads, it doesn't matter what society is telling you. Society, television shows, commercials are, 
are uh, portraying you as a doofus. But you're not. You demand. You demand. And if you'll stand up and be the man, in these three simple ways, be a giver of good gifts, time and love, yourself and compassion. Be that strong arm of protection, whether it's physical or spiritual, whether you're physically protecting them or you're praying over their spiritual protection. And remember to be that major influence in their life teaching them, living the life before them that will go on to live with them the rest of their lives. And as you do, you're pointing them to the man, the father. As our choir sang a moment ago, you're a good, good father. You know, we look at these things, I look at these things, and we realize as dads that we do fall far short of what we ought to be. But that doesn't mean we don't matter. Don't ever think of yourself and say, you know what, I'll never measure up. You know what, you never will. But if you ever give up, look at what you're giving up. You'll give up your family. You'll give your kids to the nasty influence of this world. Don't give up. It's worth the struggle to be the man that God's called you to be. You matter more than you know and you matter more than you feel like you matter. And you matter more than you will ever know, probably, until you get to heaven. And one day, God's going to show you the influence that He allowed you to have in your home and even over this society. God is a good, good Father. Do you know Him as your Father? He loves you. And like the opening video, those two little kids. If you don't know God as your Father, you can. He's inviting you to Him. The way you come to Him, Jesus made it very clear and plain in John 14. He said, in my Father's house are many mansions. That is, God has, has room for everybody. The Father has made enough room in heaven for you. Yes, for you no matter what you've done. He said, in my Father's house are many mansions. He said, if it were not so, I would have told you. But then he went on to say in verse 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. How do you get a good, good Father? Maybe you didn't have a good, good Father. You can have one as you come to God through Jesus Christ. How do, you, how do you come to God through Christ? Well, you've got to believe, first of all, that He is who He said He was. Jesus did die on the cross. He is the Son of God. He is God Himself who stepped out of heaven, the perfect God-man who lived a perfect life. But He died as a sinner. He died not because He had sinned. He died because he, God the Father put our sin upon Him. He became sin, the Bible says, even though he had never sinned. In other words, he took your place and he took mine. We have to believe that. We have to believe that we are the reason he died. He died for me because I am a sinner, because you're a sinner. He took my place. 
You have to believe that he rose again, that he's alive today. The Bible tells us three days later he came out of that grave, that he then ascended to be with the Father in heaven. And he sits at the right hand of the throne of God, and he's poised, ready to come back. The moment the Father says, Son, go get him, he's poised, ready to bring his people back to be with him. How do you, how do you believe that? How do you come to the Father through Christ? You have to believe in Jesus. And you have to ask Him to save you. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. He says, we believe in our hearts, but we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and we shall be saved. So this morning, if you want to know a good, good Father, you've never experienced His love. He wants you to. Because it doesn't matter what you've done. He can forgive it. Because He's a good good father. Would you bow with me this morning? Every head bowed, every eye closed.